Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. As you get older, you realize that one of your hands is for helping people. And then you realize the other hand is for helping people as you get older. When you're younger, maybe one hand. But pretty soon you decide that you're going to help people with your life. You're going to be better together. So uh, I have two sermons. The first one is uh, the introduction to the whole thing. So bear with me this morning. Anybody ever preach, teach, professor, classroom taught? Anybody ever you've been done present presentations, maybe at uh, a club? You know, maybe uh, you, you've, you've done presentations. So you ever had more than you knew you would have time for? And you knew that the mind could only absorb what the body could endure. So I'm going to do my best, but I've got a lot to share today that's on my heart. And I want to first take you to a story that Jesus pretty much tells that runs counterculture. We find it in Matthew chapter 5, and he said, you've heard it said. Part of the Sermon on the Mount, eye for an eye, tooth for, yeah, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Interesting. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, go ahead, give him the other cheek. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, go ahead, give him your coat. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two, two miles. Now, Jesus is not preaching or teaching about passivity. He's going against the culture where the people of Israel, the Jewish people, were being oppressed by the Roman government. And they would traverse through Israel. They would take their mail, as it were. They would take their gold and their banking, as it were, through Israel. And any Roman guard, a centurion, any Roman official could stop a Jewish person and say this, I want you to carry my pack. I want you to carry my boxes. And what you had to do, it was law. You put down your own stuff and carried their stuff for a mile. Then you'd have to come back the mile to get your stuff. You follow? And then go on your way. And Jesus says, the custom is, the law is that you go the one mile, but I'm asking you to go ahead and carry their stuff for two miles, which means you've got to come back two miles, which means it's a four-mile trip. Thank you, Jesus. The first mile mandated. The second mile, and it's been coined and used in different communities, is called the miracle mile, where miracles happen when you go beyond what's required. You go beyond what is expected. I think about second mile people. We have them all around our church. I, I think about people that come here early in the morning. I think about Mike and Elizabeth and Stephen and David that take care of the leaves outside and set up the tables over there. Some of you are still in bed at that time. Some of our 1045 people, they're out, right? They're home eating oatmeal. They're getting ready for church. Or they're getting ready to watch online. And I think about our people online. We have people behind this wall that are running the cameras this morning and pushing out the live stream. 
we, we have Logan back there running sound, and you don't really know he's there unless he goofs up, right? Then you know he's there if there's feedback, but he rarely goofs up. And I got to tell you, he was here this week helping us with some new equipment being installed. And I got to tell you, our worship team today was here on Wednesday night. They were practicing and praying for your arrival. Just think about all, those are second milers. And some of the people behind this wall, you don't even see them, but they're switching cameras and making me look skinny and handsome online. They've got filters for that, you know. I think about our people that will serve next service with our kids' ministries. They're second milers. I think of Tina, who leads our kids in worship. She's like a perpetual energizer bunny. She gets in there, and you know, and she's not 15 anymore. She's over 25 now, and she's in there doing motions with the kids because she loves impacting the next generation for Jesus. And I think about our youth team that comes on Tuesday night that ministers to our young people that are finding a safe place to grow in Jesus and have some fun together while they're learning about God. And I think about people on Monday night that feed the under-resourced here on our campus. And I think about the people that came this week. Our entire campus is cleaned and sterilized by volunteers. Think of all the money they save us from paying a cleaning crew. Think about it. Now, who are these people? They're second milers. There's people online right now that are hosting the experience so people can have somebody in there to chat with or pray with if they need to. I could go on and on about our people. I could brag about people like Keith McClellan in our church who's a chaplain, and he's the go-to guy when Starbuck Lynn Mortuary calls and says, we need a pastor. These people don't have anyone to navigate the death of their loved one. They don't have any church connection. We send Keith over there, and he does a great job in service. If I can't fill in or Pastor John can't do it, we, we just, let's send Keith because he's a second miler. So here's the question. Are you a second miler? And why would we even talk about this? Because God's best will always be beyond our comfort zone. When we encourage others, like we talked about last week, or as our good friend Lana Scott last week, did you enjoy her and the team? Oh, yeah. And here's what she said to us. Let's speak life to people. There's enough people speaking death out there to last us a lifetime, but let's speak life to people. Now, Paul the Apostle speaking of second milers, is going to tell us why we should be second mile people. And he's going to use the greatest example of all time. And that's the example of Jesus Christ himself. What a great example. And a lot of what Paul talks about in his writings is to get rid of the supremacy that people have in their heart. I must be first. I must have it my way. My views and values matter more than anyone else's views and values. And so he starts to speak to us. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Philippians 2. If you have a device uh, you, you, you get the Bible from, uh, go to Philippians chapter 2. If you're home, Philippians chapter 2. And if you're on our online experience, there's also a place where you can click on notes and the notes will pop up. Isn't that cool? Use of technology. And if you're here this morning, you got some notes so you can follow along with me as well. Philippians 2, 1 to 4. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, by the way, do you? Anybody? Sure. If any comfort from his love, do you? If any common sharing in the spirit, do, do we? If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. So Paul is saying to the church at Philippi, man, I get so much joy from you in the way you live. 
But if you want to make my joy complete, if you want to give me a full bucket load of joy, then be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. And now brace yourself. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of of the others. So love builds up relationships. Selfishness erodes relationships. Whether you're single, whether you're a son, a daughter, brother, parent, grandparent, whether you're married, I can use this for marriage, can I? Love builds up the marriage and selfishness erodes the marriage. And only through servanthood can you be obedient to God's call upon your life. So Paul gives us the context. Just like Jesus, and I was giving you the context for second mile Christians, here's the context for what he's about to tell us. And right in the middle is verse 5. And verse 5 of Philippians 2 says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's a tall order, isn't it? Think like Jesus thinks, act like Jesus acts, do what Jesus did, be a second mile Christian. Somebody says, go one mile. You say, nope, I'll do two. Someone says, well, I go to church. Somebody else says, yeah, but I serve at the church. Someone else says, I live in Lompoc. Someone else says, I serve in Lompoc. I serve with children. I serve at the Boys and Girls Club. I serve at the local school. I serve at the convalescent center. I serve, and the list goes on and on of opportunities to be like Jesus because we're better together when we are most like Jesus. We're better together when we're most like Jesus. We're better together when we're most like Jesus. It's hard to be like Jesus. Let me put my hand up. It's hard to be like Jesus. It's difficult to have the same mindset as Jesus did. Uh, One mother found this out. She had her two elementary age school kids sitting at the counter in the kitchen, and she was making pancakes. The first pancake, the test pancake, you know, the one you put in, it's kind of making sure the pan is hot enough. And Then she makes this beautiful, large pancake. And the two boys were arguing about who should get the pancake first, the first one. The mom had been trying to teach them about Jesus and his servant heart. And as they're arguing, she leans over and says, what do you think Jesus would do? (laughs) And before they answered, she said, well, Jesus would give the other brother the first pancake. And the older brother said to the younger brother, then you be Jesus today. (laughs) You be Jesus today. It's a whole lot easier to say, you be Jesus, than for you to look in the mirror and say, you be Jesus today. You see, it's our attitudes that determine our actions because actions always demonstrate true attitudes. And what you are is what you will do. Your attitudes will control you or you will control your attitudes. That's why Paul says, let the attitude or the mindset of Christ be your very mindset. So now we're going to dive deeper into the second part of the service. This is the four points that I call timeless principles of Jesus. 
And if you really want to know how to serve, if you really want to know how to be better together, pay attention to this. The first one is being a servant means surrendering my life for the good of others. Who wants to hear that? Not my flesh. Honest. Maybe not your flesh either. It's a second mile servant. And look at verse 6 with me, if you would. It's going to be on the screen. And it's speaking of Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. He leaves heaven and he comes to earth. And you don't think he went down from the upper rent district to the low rent district? (laughs) Don't you think he went from glory to humanity? John tells us in John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and took up residence among us, and we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Yeah. See, Jesus living inside of us, catch this, enables us to overcome our selfish desires. What did Jesus do? He's God in the flesh. And he says, I will come lower than the angels. I will be like a man or a woman that lives on planet Earth. I will not leverage my power for myself. I will leverage my power to die for all of humanity. I will leverage my power for the good of others. Jesus did not hold on to his rights. How many people are holding on to their rights today? I have a right to be mad. I have a right to criticize. I have a a right to be prejudiced. I have a right to push people away. I have a right to my opinion. I love it when someone says, I'll lay down my rights for the good of someone else. I'll lay down my viewpoints. I will crucify my flesh. Oh, boy, that's a popular phrase today, isn't it? Let's all just crucify our flesh. In my first church, I, young guy, I think I was about 25 after pastoring three years. And I had a young seminarian who was working with me as an intern. And he said, I want to put some words out on a sign. We had a sign board out front. You could put letters in it. He said, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian, said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Come and die. So he said, can we, can we put our phrase? Come die with us on the board. I said, no, we cannot. But that's good theology, he said. I said, yeah, but it's not going to attract anyone to want to come to church. But isn't our journey with Christ a series of deaths? But we die to our flesh. We die to our ambition. We die to trying to leverage ourselves, to promote ourselves, to be greater and higher. And Jesus says, the way up is down. The way to live is die. And if you're not dying daily, like the apostle Paul said, I got news for you. You're not ever going to be a second mile Christian. And that's what I believe we're called to. See, although Jesus had access to all privilege and power to which his divinity entitled him, and although he could have exploited that privilege and power to dominate his creation, after all, he made all things, and all things are held together by him, Jesus considered his deity as an opportunity for service and obedience. Instead of using all he had for his own advantage, he used it for others. For those who had nothing, he used it for us. Amen? 
and all of the authority and power available to him became a channel of giving rather than a conduit for getting. His focus was not on being served, but upon serving others and giving his life a ransom for many. He emptied himself in obedience. Wow. And it contrasted his life with the value systems of his day. And Christians, the light of the world, the salt of the world, we live in contrast to the values. I pray we do. The values of our world that said it's more important to serve yourself and your little nucleus of people than it is to serve beyond yourself and beyond your walls. If we're going to have the same attitude as Christ, I've got to tell you this, we're going to have to die to ourselves and give up our rights at times. And second thing is being a servant means becoming less so others can be more. I listened to some of my pastor friends when they preach, and uh, this morning I sent 16 texts out to different pastors, and I get up early, so I woke up three of them. They were kind of glad I was praying for them, but not glad that they had their notifications on they, I woke them up. But one of my pastor friends in Oxnard, he's one of my heroes. His name's Steve Abraham, just a great guy, leading a great church. And he said, everyone needs God. Good. Everyone needs someone, and someone needs you. Man, I, I watched that sermon. I thought, wow, Lord, this is a great statement. I'm going to use it. I texted him this morning. Steve, I'm going to use your, your statement. I'm going to give you credit. Everyone needs God. Do we say yes? Everyone needs someone. Do we say yes? Ah, someone needs you. Do you say yes? Someone needs you. You go, yeah, I know. My friend, my spouse, my son, my daughter, my grandkid, sure. I wonder if we could say, God, who needs us that we've not connected with yet? Who can we lead to Christ that hasn't come to you yet? Who can we serve with a heart that says, I will give to you? Because Jesus in Philippians 2, 7, it says, he emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of man. That's a demotion, folks. I know some of us think, we're, this is great. We're, we're, we're great. We're on planet Earth. We live in the United States. We live in California, Central Coast of California. Woo! We're really some. Jesus left heaven. Eternal glory. No death, no crying, no pain, no taxes. No gasoline prices. He left it all to come here to give his life for us. He emptied himself. Literally, it means he poured every last drop of himself out. Not just his blood, as powerful as that is, but everything he had. Here's the question. What does it look like when you empty yourself to serve God and others? I hope you percolate on that question this week. What does it look like when I empty myself? What is the picture? What's the video when I give myself up? What a dramatic distance Jesus traveled from heaven to the cross, from robes to rags, from being served to serving. What a distance he traveled from heaven's throne room to Bethlehem's manger, from being exalted and worshiped to being executed on a cross, the cruelest death known to mankind. Our flesh might say, I'm not interested in being emptied, but I want to be filled. 
What's in it for me? Where can I get more? Who will care about me? Who will take care of me? And I'd like to flip that as we talked about a few weeks ago. How can we make sure no one gets left behind? Who can we serve? Who can we add value to? Who can we look in their eyes and say, I believe in you? The third thing is servanthood means being obedient, whatever the cost. Look at verse 8, if you would. And being found in the appearance as man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on the, on the cross. On the cross. Every morning I wake up, I pray this prayer. God, help someone cross my path today that doesn't know you. I've been praying that for over 30 years. Help someone cross my path. And Lord, because I'm a little slow, would you like have a neon sign over their head? It's me. I'm the one you were praying for. Oh, come on. Make sure that I don't miss it when they say, uh, can you tell me about Jesus? I mean, make it that blade, Lord, that I would. And I pray this every Sunday morning. God, if there's anybody, anybody in our building, anybody online that has not given them over to you today, Lord, today. And I'm just praying for our church, for every church that preaches the gospel today. For my pastor friends that I was praying for this morning, God, when we stand behind podiums and pulpits, may we be able to declare that Jesus Christ is the Savior who humbled himself for your good. And so I'm not going to wait to the total end of the message to tell you this, but if you've not given your life to Jesus, Today's your day. I declare it's a day of salvation for you. Where you say, Jesus, I believe in you, that you died on the cross, that you rose again from the dead, and you humbled yourself for me. I want you to forgive me of my sins, and I want to follow you and obey you and believe in you. Because after all, Jesus, you went through the lowest form of execution for all. But it wasn't just the execution at the hands of those who crucified you. It was the plan of God that you would be our lamb that would shed his blood to take away the sins of the world, even my own sin. Now, that's a long prayer, and you probably won't pray it that way. If you don't know what to say, just say, Lord, I believe in you. And Jesus, I give you my life. I invite you to be my Savior. And even as I continue to talk, you can just go ahead and whisper that to him now because he will save you right where you are. I had a lady say to me a few weeks ago when she was here, he said, I'm kind of new to the church, and you seem to always like invite people to Jesus. Isn't your church saved yet? <laughs> I said, oh, lots of our people are saved and walking with Jesus. Are you? Because <laughs> I didn't really know her. She smiled. Oh, yes. But why do you do it almost every Sunday? I said, two things. Number one, there could be somebody who's not given their life to Christ yet. I wouldn't want that on my record, on my watch, that I didn't invite people and tell people the power of the cross. I wouldn't. And the second thing is, we're creating a culture in our church of evangelism that Jesus, Christ, and salvation matter to us. It's a value. You share what you value. Your heart, your attitude is, is, is seen in your actions. And so I want people to know that we must keep inviting people to come to Christ. 
There's a whole thing about servanthood that, that, that when we move ourselves to a place of servanthood, we join God in his eternal purpose. And if you've been here any length of time, you've heard me say the following words. Love produces servanthood and servanthood sees sacrifice as privilege. Love produces servanthood and servanthood sees sacrifice as privilege. It's not that I have to, it's that I get to. Why? Because everyone needs God, and everyone needs someone, and someone needs you. And the last point, number four, is servanthood will always be rewarded. God keeps amazing books. Good morning. We reap what we sow. And I pray that someday when we get to heaven, the Lord will be able to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Sometimes people want God to say, well done, good and faithful church attender. <laughs> no, I want him to say over your life, well done, good and faithful servant who humbled themselves to be second mile Christians. Now, I know this won't happen for you because in Philippians 2, 9 and 11, it happened for Jesus. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, and let's read the rest, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, if you serve the Lord with all your heart, God will reward you. He's not going to give you Jesus' throne. Sorry. And the world will not bow down and declare praise to your name, but he will reward you. This passage reminds us that God rewards servanthood and God rewards our humble, obedient service. In Matthew, it's recorded that the greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. God will reward you in due time. Luke 14, 11, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And let God do the exalting, will you? Let God promote you. Let God add influence and let God add value to your life. Let God add position and possessions. It's him that does it for you as you serve him. Jesus Christ, the greatest servant of all, he models how to live right in front of us. And Paul does a masterful job saying, let the attitude, let the mindset of Jesus Christ be in your heart, in your mind. Live like Jesus lived. If you want to be better together, just follow him. Let someone else have the first pancake. Let someone else have the blessing of God. Let someone else see how you serve from the heart. Because after all, if Jesus is in us, he's going to live through us and he's going to change our attitude and our mindset. Last verse before I pray and we close with a song. 2 Corinthians 4, 5. I'd like you to read this with your best. He's almost done voice. Here we go. Our message is not about ourselves. It's about Jesus Christ as the Lord. We are your servants. For his sake. Let's read it again. 
Our message is not about ourselves. It's about Jesus Christ as the Lord. We are your servants for his sake. Lord God, I believe that you'll use us. And there will be victories won as we serve other people around us. I pray today for people to come to Christ simply because we declared your message. I pray that people will come to know that they are loved simply because we serve from our hearts and we follow you. And Lord, for those today who would confess you as Lord, we say it, Jesus is the Lord. Let's say, Jesus is the Lord. And Jesus is our servant king. Let's say that, Jesus is our servant king. He died on a cross. He rose again from the dead. We're grateful that you did. We love you, God. And we're thankful for the testimony we have that you've brought us from death to life. That you have used us. But you're going to use us even more, Lord. I know it. You're going to use this church like never before. I believe it. And your spirit will be alive in us as we die to ourselves and live for you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.